Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Houting, back with, of course, my co-host, the one and only Christian Conway. I have my Santa hat on. I've checked my list twice, and I can tell you that there's about four players that are on the nice list and about a lot of other players that are on the naughty list when it comes to the Galaxy. What about the ones that are just doing their best? There's like a new box. <laughs> I don't think Santa deals in amb- ambiguity in that way, it seems. Are you giving them lumps of coal? I mean, I'm giving them lumps of something. <laughs> <laughs> they can kick around. Uh, yeah, so I'm sitting here with my tea and my my old lady blanket, but I'm, I'm chilling. It's not a bad winter break. Um, I know that fans really want major signings, especially when you see Suarez is coming to officially enter Miami. But, you know, Will Kuntz has been making some pretty good signings so far, considering the draft selection that we had. Yeah, you know, I think it's been interesting. Um, I, I, I've long maintained that I think the one thing the Galaxy have done a very poor job of over the past couple of years has been that they've built rosters that do not possess guys that know the league, right? That that the rosters they, they, they build are, you know, starting 11 is very good, but the bench has no depth. And I think that was that's been the priority so far in free agency, you know, with uh, Miguel Berry and, 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 and Johnny Nelson, which I think Johnny Nelson's an incredible pickup. He was fantastic for St. Louis last year. Um, you know, I, I do think that was kind of the em- emphasis in this first bit of the year. And keep in mind, they can't make international transfers just yet until the window opens up on January 1st. So I do think it's been very interesting to see that they haven't gone big, but they've gone consistent. You know, I, everyone's pointing to the season that Miguel Berry had in, in Atlanta. I, I would point to the Columbus crew years where he was absolutely brilliant, um, you know, he he was incredibly, you know, precocious, fantastic. And I think that is more where they were looking rather than necessarily, you know, a DC United side in, in 2022. That was, that was, I'd say, pretty poor, to say the least. Uh, and Atlanta in 2023, which no one really kind of knew what they were. And, you know, no one really understood. You know, I mean, they were they were relying on one goal scorer, Taxi Fontas, um, or sorry, Jim Marcus, excuse me. Um, so I, I do think there is something there that they can, they can work with and use. Um, I would point more to the Nelson signing as the big one here. I mean, this, he's a very good player. Um, and, you know, he was a rock in, in that St. Louis city SC side. I'm, just, I'm actually very surprised that they let him walk as a free agent. He knows the league very well. And I mean, what is the galaxy needed? they just need depth at center back. So I think, you know, they have the, the two signings they've made while not being flashy are very good signings in the sense of these are two guys that know the league that have uh, they're journeymen, I guess if, it, you know, if you could be a journeyman at 25, but you know, they are players that know this league very well, that understand the ins and outs of it. And you can build off that, you know, these, these guys are not going to be, I mean, Nelson might be a starter week in week out, depending on how they move with, with, you know, and the news they've gotten about, you know, Casares, if Maya Yoshida is maybe considering retiring or, if, you know, maybe he's, you know, they're trying to reduce the workload on him. You know, Jalen, obviously he's he's fit and fighting, but, you know, he's still relatively young. So, you know, he, he's going to need someone that around him that kind of understands the league. So, you know, you have that now. I think these are signings that, you know, everyone is. I think this is the the great paradox of being Galaxy fans, which is. Everyone wants the big name, but 
doesn't understand that these are actually kind of very critical signings. Yeah, you really hit it when you said that they're critical. And yeah, of course, I see Nelson coming from St. Louis. I mean, what a season they had, you know, so I'm really glad for that signing again. As we go into our review of the midfield, it it really just depends on how Vanny, you know, selects the players, you know, when they're playing because he makes so many changes. I feel like you always want to see more. Well, I haven't seen enough of this guy or that guy. Um, you know, so we'll definitely have to see how they fit in to this team and against other teams. And, you know, again, they're 25 years old, right? So they're picking up, um, they're like right in that middle, right? They're not young, like these other signings, um, from the draft, you know, you have Ethan Brandt, who's a goalkeeper, which we needed a third goalkeeper because Plinsman's out and you have Mikovic and Bond, it, I don't see why Bond wouldn't be the starting keeper in the way things are going. And then you have Tucker Lepley. Both guys, you know, when you talk about bringing up U.S. soccer, you know, Brant is from the Sporting City, Kansas City Academy. And then you have Lepley, who's from UCLA. So, yeah, I agree that they need to get to know MLS. But at the same time, this is the pipeline, right? This is where these kids come up. Yeah, and and I I think over the past couple of years the super draft has kind of become devalued in a certain respect. Of course, they needed a third goalkeeper. That's that was a very smart decision to go there. They didn't really have a lot of I'd say, um, uh, good pick options. Um, this was a, this was a weird draft class. It wasn't that great of a draft class to be quite honest. Um, and and teams are so good about using their academies now and using you know, that, that pipeline to, to build their teams rather than, you know, I think when, when you and I really started following the galaxy, we were so used to the super draft being the be all end all, right? Like that was the, that was the thing. And now it's, it's evolved over the past couple of years, which was, I think the, the, the logical conclusion to where MLS was going and where MLS was growing. I mean, obviously we can talk about MLS and its foibles. I think we saw one uh, a couple of weeks ago with the open cup, uh, announcement which we could do an entire show on that but i do think that you know they they drafted smart they drafted well they didn't you know they didn't do anything in the draft that i was like surprised about and nothing that really kind of got the engine going but i mean that's the thing about the super draft nowadays is you just draft to what you think you can do and if you, you know, it, it's a lottery, basically, like if, if you hit great, if you don't, you know, they're on league minimum contracts, that's not the end of the world. So, yeah, you know, I I hope, you know, uh, that goalkeeper can step in. Obviously, you know, Mikovic is, is on loan from from um, from uh, his Serbian club. I don't know if they're going to permanently resolve that and, and bring him to L.A. From what I saw near the end of the year, I think. You know, maybe he's actually in the conversation for number one coming into the season. But I do think, you know, they this this super draft, I would say this year did not move the needle for me in a way that maybe in previous years I've looked at it and said, OK, you know, like actually they can do something with this player. Or they can do something here this year. It just felt like and, and for a lot of teams, I will say it did feel like it was a bit of a formality. I, you know, I know Toronto drafted incredibly smart. Um but again, I, I just feel like, you know, we are we are entering a generation of MLS where there are 
I'd say about five or six clubs that still see value in the super draft, but there's a lot of clubs that just, you know, it's a formality to fill out, you know, the MLS next pro team. And I, I think the galaxy were, were, were going down that route, especially considering, you know, Will Koontz and the amount of work he has to do in order to get this roster right-sided. I, I just think they, I don't want to say they phoned it in, but it did feel a little bit of like, okay, we just have to do this. Meanwhile, we're looking at other targets and we're looking in a much bigger picture, if that makes sense. For sure. It is super early to to really say how these how these players are going to work. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't even think we're looking at the full pieces, you know, on the game board here. So, yeah, going into our midfield well, review. Really quickly. I yeah. Mean, we, we have to keep in mind that the international window hasn't opened yet. This thing is going to look real different starting like January 5th. Like, I mean, they definitely have, oh, some, yeah. they ha- definitely have some deals set like, and they're just waiting for the go ahead, you know, from the, the FIFA system and all the rest of it. Like it does feel like we are sitting. The reason I think everyone's kind of agitated is they wanted big names immediately in December and they can't do that. And there's 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 two things at play here, which is one, A, I think Will Kuntz and his brain trust did not understand the scale of what they had to do. I mean, this is a roster that is fundamentally broken at multiple levels. Two, they have two designated player spots, which I think we we kind of had an idea that that was coming. I think we knew we had one, right? Because there was no way Douglas Costa was going to stay on. I don't think we necessarily expected the Chicharito departure, but it would, you know, if you had told me when he was banging him in at the beginning of the year or when, um, you know, that they were going to move on, I would have been like, ah, I, I get it. I don't know if I agree with it, but then, you know, obviously the ACL tear, you know, it's just, it's, it's never really caught on for him in the way that we thought it was going to do. That changes everything, you know? So you have, you know, and, and, and the other I guess the I I said there's two things at play here. There's a, there is a third thing at play here, which is the January window is really tough because if you are a team from outside of Europe that is trying to entice very good European players to come to your team, it depends on who you're talking to, right? If you are a European team, let's say that is in good form, that is playing very well, that is competing for titles, you don't want to let it all go, right? You know, if you've got a guy on a bench that's, you know, you look at it and say, well, he's going to make six more appearances this year. Yeah, we can let him go. That's one thing. But the Galaxy don't aspire to that. The Galaxy expire or aspire to players that are high-level, high-class players, which usually means starting 11s in top leagues in Europe. It, that's tough to do. And those negotiations take time. They take a lot. And that's why we often see when top level European players come over it's usually in the summer because it's the end of the European season Will Kuntz is going to have his work cut out for him in terms of getting big names in January because teams don't want to sell in January they know that a for their own good and b because they know they can set the market it I'm not saying they can't pull off a couple miracles they can I Will Kuntz I, I saw it at LAFC like he can do that but they're gonna need some some help from above, maybe some help from Santa, if you will. I love that. They need help from the soccer gods. And the Galaxy have been, right? It does feel a bit like a curse. And, you know, actually, before we get into the midfield review, I want to touch on, 
I had heard, I don't even know, just the LA Galaxy fan grapevine that the home opener was going to be against Inter-Miami. And I don't remember who or how or what, who knows? I mean, we're all on Twitter still, and we still call it Twitter. And um, yeah, so I made the decision to become a season ticket member again uh, for the first time, I think since before the pandemic. And, uh, you know, part of it was because Messi is skyrocketing tickets as, as it should. Um, but at the same time, um, I understand everybody's discouraged and we'd even talked to some friends to try to convince them to, you know, become season ticket members again. I feel like 2023 was the worst year. It can only go up from here. I really truly believe that because of the moves that we're seeing already because Koontz is in place and, you know, we did get Klein out and all that stuff. So I just, I just feel like 2024. Yeah. It, it has to be upwards because as long as everybody stays healthy, um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I know that inner Miami is going to be MLS's dream team and what have you, but again, those guys have to stay healthy too because of their ages. Um, I'm really looking forward to the home opener. Um, I'm looking forward to 2024. Yeah, you know, I think there is some upward positivity in in the fan base right now. Uh, it, it does feel like, you know, obviously the Miami game is going to be, I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I do think uh, it's going to be a tough day for Galaxy fans just simply because of the, the gravity that Lionel Messi possesses. And there's going to be a lot of people that, you know, are Lionel Messi fans more than they are Galaxy fans. And that's just going to, I mean, that's, you, you've seen it every stadium he's gone to, right? Like, you, you know, these are people that only interact with MLS in one way and one way only, and that's Lionel Messi. But that's, I mean, it's the global pull of Lionel Messi. I mean, just look at the scenes when they came to Argentina after they won the World Cup and Messi, you know, being regarded as a god. You know, that's just who he is and, and what his his aura is i mean look at the ticket prices already for resale market stuff i mean it's like already at like 500 dollars. i i do think that that's going to be what i would what i would say is i wouldn't look too much into that game the season opener which again i we all know my position which is i don't make value judgment about teams until about five games into the year then i kind of start to understand what you really are but this game especially is going to be for me just an absolute kind of like, all right, take nothing out of this game. It's going to be just the, the atmosphere is going to be really off. It's going to be very strange. It's going to be, it's going to be different. Um, I mean, it, obviously it's, it, it, it's going to be very fascinating and exciting to watch Lionel Messi in person. I did something I've always wanted to do, but you know, again, it, it is, it's, it's going to be different and weird in a way that I, I think it's it, it's not going to be like it's not going to be like normal home openers, right? Like it's it's not going to be home openers. Usually are these incredibly you know raucous affairs for Galaxy fans. You know we we really get up for the home opener, and I think this year's there. And this year I'm already talking about 2024. Um, is is going to be a little different. Um, but I, I do think you know you look at the schedule. There are the, the schedule this year is a little bit more forgiving than it was last year. Uh, last year's schedule was pretty tough, and I think you know. They have some touchstone games. Obviously, they play LAFC at home twice, one of those being the Rose Bowl. Um, they, they do have some some opportunities where I, I was looking through and kind of looking at the way that other roster builds are going. And I said, yeah, they could go on a six-game run here. Or they could go on a seven-game run here. 
I, I, I look at this galaxy construction and what they're going to do in January. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, playoffs are definitely probably the expectation at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And stay tuned, everybody, for our end of the season wrap up and we'll get more into 2024. We have an episode coming at you next week because we never know what news is going to drop. Um, but looking into the midfield review, um, you know, the midfield is always a place where you look for creation, you look for goals, um, especially when the Galaxy's forwards are um sparse so you know then when goals are coming from the back line you know where else are they going to come from especially when the midfield suffered from injuries um i think i'm going to start from the top because brugman with ricky Pouge up there i mean that was that was the best midfield at at its time right and then ricky Pouge is always all over the place he's he's fighting for us like fighting for his life get taking knocks and everything and so when Bergman got injured um that was like a, a really big blow uh I know that Pusha you know ended up taking the armband um when Bergman had it I I really on paper our, our midfield even after the injury bug bit us like like looked really promising you know but it just it also maybe it was just too many roster changes on vanny's part but it really fell flat as well yeah um i think the, you nailed the head you know you you nailed it right on the head i mean the brugman injury killed that team i mean it brugman is such a phenomenal enforcer in that midfield i mean he's I mean, he's hard, like he's a hard, hard man. Like he challenged, you know, every challenge he goes into 110%. And I think you saw with Riku Pooch when Brugman went down, he kind of, I mean, he was still his elegant best, but he kind of did shelter out a little bit in the sense of he didn't have a guy that was willing to defend him, you know, or, or not willing to defend him, had the ability to defend him because Obviously, everyone in that midfield and everyone in that that engine room definitely wanted to protect Rikui Pooch because everyone knows if you're going to beat the Galaxy, what you do is you just kick the hell out of Rikui and, and, and then he kind of fades out of a game because he's afraid to get hit, which is understandable. And then, you know, the Galaxy have really no teeth. With, with Brogman, they actually had someone that was going to be able to basically say every single time, you know, that he got hit, it was like, okay, you know what, let's go, you know. You want you, you know, <laughs> you you want to scrap? Let's scrap. And and I think that that really was underrated. Uh, in a lot of respects, I, I do think you know. Obviously, Rikri Pooch is probably the best midfielder in in MLS. Like, I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, and, and again, th this mid th this engine room with you know Delgado, with you know Brugman, with Pooch, it all just runs really well. Like, I mean, it runs incredibly well. You know, and then they've added a couple of of you know, a couple of really interesting pickups in the middle of the year, you know, with Diego Fagundes and, and Cerillo, who I think are actually very good players. I, I do want to highlight Daniel Aguirre, though, because I think Daniel Aguirre really took a step forward this year in a way that I, I don't know if I didn't expect, but I, I, I saw him as a mid-tier, possibly two starts in a year kind of player. And he started some critical games in 2023. And he didn't look out of place. And I think that's, you know, 
you look at this midfield engine room, this is kind of the one place where the Galaxy were actually at their most settled. And it's, it's a bummer that they really had everything around them in the engine room that didn't really work for them. You know, and, and that's the thing is because, I mean, you look at, you know, obviously the, the midfield triad or the dream one, I guess, is Brugman, Pooch, and Delgado. But Fagundes impressed at the end of the year. I mean, Surya, whenever he was forced to make a cameo, actually looked decently good. Um, Johnny Perez, again, took another step forward. You know, like everything, like in terms of our end of season reviews, when I was kind of stacking in my head, like, where am I going to be the most negative versus where I'm going to be the most positive? It was like defense going to be the most negative, most positive midfield forward line. I have no idea what this is going to look like next year. So I have no idea what to tell you. Uh, but I do think this is a very strong building block. The galaxy can rely on going into 2024. Um, and, and I, I, I know they're going to bolster it. Uh, they've, they've talked about that, but I mean, if, you know, I, I do think if the injury bug doesn't hit Brugman and Pooch, you know, because Pooch went down a little bit near the end of the year with with that hamstring issue, which again he got from being kicked to hell and back. I just I I, I like what I see. Yeah, um, you know, usually midfields can be really crowded, and in this case, the Galaxy needed that depth. And for the Galaxy to say <laughs> this season, for all the awfulness that it was, that that we had depth in in that position. Um, you know, there's Vivi, there's Uri, there's Memo Rodriguez, Saldana, like these are all guys that you can trust when when they're on the pitch. It was just super unfortunate the way the way yeah everybody got injured. But again, that is because they were carrying the team in, in that in that position. I mean, yes, I think part of it was bad luck, but I think you look at how many injuries there are, and I think we've said this before. You know, are are they managing these guys well enough to keep them well? Because, I mean, there are times where the Galaxy looked like they could take on, you know, powerhouses. Like, of course, LAFC is like the game that all the players get up for, you know. So there's, it's almost an anomaly in a sense. But like when they go up against like St. Louis or the Houstons or, you know, or even the Seattles, it's like, you see how the midfield can can hold up, but yeah, then you know Delgado gets injured and Rodriguez got injured. Obviously, yeah, Ricky toward the end, Brugman. These are all guys that yeah, we have like awesome subs, but you need those powerhouses, and it just it just was really unfortunate. Um, I still have Efrain Alvarez listed here too. Um. Because for the beginning of the season, he was there. And again, another one that looked really good on paper for years, had expectations. And we could talk about him, you know, until we're blue in the face. But yeah, Alvarez just just wasn't going to cut it. And it was time to move on from him. And like you said, this is a really good building block for that midfield. And I really just hope that everybody stays healthy and that we get to actually see consistency and see what these guys are made of like I said with Vanny just keep changing things up I understand why he did it and how he had to but there's there's times to experiment and there's times to fill in because of injuries but then there's times of you know who who are the guys that we know what the lineup's going to be like and and what to expect especially when you're going up against 
these these MLS teams, these expansion teams that are just getting stronger. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the injury bug. I think when Delgado went down, it was Delgado went down and then finally he comes back. But then Brugman goes down and then it's like I do feel for Vanny at some level because I almost want to write the season off for him. And I understand there are there are valid and this is something we'll delve into next week when we kind of when we put a a, a fine little bow on the season, um, except we should be wrapping our presents before the 25th. But, you know, is such as the calendar. Um, but but I do I, I do think that just at some point they just ran out of ideas in the sense of oh my god he's injured now oh god no he's going down and like it, like I, I do feel for that coaching staff at some level because they had to basically make mountains out of molehills and you, that was just that was impossible I, I do think they are going to bolster at some point in this midfield I think another defensive midfielder wouldn't go astray uh, but they. They they did make some very very smart moves when that transfer ban lifted, which was Fagundes, you know, Surio, and then of course as as we know, um, you know, when they brought in um, some other players, I I just you know I think again, you know, this is a very strong building block. Obviously, Brugman, you know, with with you know the ACL tear and whatever, he might not come back the same player. You hope he does. Um, some players they just they hit the ground running. Some players don't. It's just the reality of the injury. You know, I think, you know, there's a lot to build on with Diego Fagundes and seeing what he can offer. Um, I, I've always thought he's a he's a fantastic MLS player. It, again, it, this is like the one part of the field that feels very settled for the Galaxy. Um, and I, I, I do think, like, like I said, this is going to be a very, very massive. The, the, the task is not as large as maybe it would have been if said they didn't have a Rukwe Pooch or a, a Brugman or a Delgado. I, obviously, they're not, you know, the same type of midfielders, you know, Pooch, you know, a traditional 10, Brugman, a traditional, you know, four, six, and Delgado, a traditional shuttler eight. Uh, but but that 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 balance, I think, when it worked, it was phenomenal. It's just they did not have the tools around them in order to to really show that off. Now, in terms of the Efrain, uh, Efrain Alvarez uh transfer uh, to Tijuana, I think the writing was kind of on the wall there. I think we all kind of knew that was coming. Um if you were not surprised, if you were surprised by that, I just looking at the body language around him and looking at the way Vanny was utilizing him and all that other stuff. And, and I feel bad for, for Ephraim because this was a kid that was so incredibly hyped up. Like, I mean, he was, he was, we were talking about the next, you know, Giovanni Dos Santos, we were talking about the next great Mexican midfielder and just, he kind of wilted under the pressure, under the systems that he was, he was subject to. I mean, obviously Bruce Arena, very famous for not getting youth players into the team. You know, I feel for him. I hope, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen any Tijuana games this year, so I, I can't, I can't speak to what he's going through there. I hope he's, you know, at least in a better place professionally, but yeah, I, I think the writing was on the wall there. Uh, it's a bummer that it didn't work here. Um, Cause you, you never want to see a player struggle in the, in the way that he was struggling. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I do feel, you know, maybe one or two additions to this midfield and, and they're good to go. Uh, this is like the one part of the field where I think Will Koontz is looking at it and saying, yeah, you know, I think we're pretty settled here. Like, I think we're going to be okay. Maybe they bring up uh, one or two, you know, MLS Next Pro guys just to kind of bolster out the roster. But I, I do think, you know, moving forward, if they're going to go into the 4-3-3, which it kind of seems like they're telegraphing, then, you know, that 4-3-3 of, of Brugman, Pooch, and Delgado just, I mean, that's going to be one of the best midfields in MLS. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything else to add, Christian. Like, you really 
yeah, you really nailed it. And I, again, I keep going back to maybe our midfield is our most hopeful positioning right now but again it's super early to say and i definitely can't wait to see more but really quickly on your point about you know our midfield being the most kind of settled position i think that's actually a really good thing because defenders you can you can kind of figure it out as you go because what what we have done is we've brought in a MLS consistent center back, which I always believe in MLS, you need at least one person on your defensive back line that knows the league. And I think in Nelson Yoshida or a Nelson, you know, Neil center back pairing, it, it obviously center back pairings take time to grow. Then you need to understand your partner. You need to understand, you know, how the other one works. When one goes, do you stay, you know, all that other stuff that takes time. That's what preseason and the first like three games of the year are for, right? Forward lines, I mean, you look at global soccer and the global soccer market, you can go out and spend $10 million on a, on a good forward that's going to bang in 15 goals. It's really not that hard to find one. Um, our team circled with that for 10 years, but I think that's because, well, we all know who was running the club at the time. And, well, I, I hate to bury the dead, but, you know, um, I, I do think midfield is the trickiest balance position or balance position on the field to get for a team in a tactical system. And the fact that the Galaxy have that is massive they have two designated player spots they don't have to use one of those on a midfielder they can use what you know they can use both of those wherever they want now whereas maybe some other teams or some other you know roster builds that are going on right now in the league you know they have to go out and sign a massive midfielder and here's the thing very good midfielders that demand designated player wages and contracts are hard to find and they're hard to get because teams don't want to get rid of them so i do you think that, you know, I, I understand Galaxy fans, we're, we're in a bit of a desert right now looking for the Oasis. I do think this midfield is basically an Oasis in that that Oasis in the middle of the desert, which is, yes, there is still work to do. And, and, and I'm not saying by any means this roster is complete. It is far from it. But your most important building blocks, which are your defensive midfielder and your attacking midfielder, are pretty much settled. And they're both players that, you know, obviously Brugman, you know, if he had stayed healthy the entire year. I mean, they're both MLS, all all teams starting 11 players, right? Like, I mean, Ruku Pooch could have won MVP had he not, you know, missed like the last six games of the year. Like, I mean, you just look at these players and you think to yourself, yeah, you know, that's a guy that probably, you know, probably should be MLS best 11. You know, that's a guy that should be MLS best 11, you know. Delgado has just been a reliable, dogged competitor for all of his career. Like, I mean, you just, you feel good about this. Now, again, I'm I'm kind of burying the lead here a little bit on what we're going to talk about next week, but it's a question of how do you slot in the parts around them? Um, I I, I know it's a, it's a forward thing, but he's listed as a midfielder. I, I play him as a forward. The one big question is, can you get the Tyler Boyd contract over the line? If you can, then all of a sudden Pooch has his favorite player to pass to and Boyd loves himself, you know, just being an absolutely destructive winger that if, if, if that connection re- retains itself, then all of a sudden you, when I look at teams and I, I judge them and I'm, I'm like, okay, whenever I look at a team, the one thing I always ask myself first is what gives me pause? Like, where am I like, okay, yeah, but I don't know. 
there's a couple things with this Galaxy team that I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, defense, yes, that's a very open question. Left back is a very open question. You know, center back is a very open question. Or right back's an open question. Goalkeeper's an open question. But there are certain things and patterns in this team, especially in this midfield between Delgado, Brugman, Pooch. If one of them goes down, you know, maybe Aguirre, you know, whoever they bring in, Fagundes can take mantle. Or I'm like, okay, if they can just get the ball over the halfway line, the midfield can can take care of a game for you. You know, you, you'll you be holding on a little bit. And they did. I mean, they definitely did hold on in a couple of games. But I think where the Galaxy were so good this year was when they dominated possession in games, it was the midfield that was just absolutely winning every ball over the halfway line, was absolutely just holding possession, moving teams from left to right, moving teams, unsettling them, making them feel like they were chasing shadows at times. The problem is they just didn't have a back line that could defend in transition and they didn't have a forward line that could actively put away the chances that the midfield was creating. So I think if you pair this midfield with two designated players that actually can be lethal in front of goal, they're going to score a lot of goals next year. Like that, that is where I see this thing going. Now, defense is another question. And that's going to be something that I think we're going to see a lot of care taken towards in, in January. But you know, to bring it back to the whole entire concept of this episode, I do think, you know, if I had to give out grades, because I know you're probably giving out grades for, you know, end of semester and all the rest of it. I mean, this midfield gets an A plus for me. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, always have loved uh, Delgado. Whenever I didn't see him in, I was legit worried about the team. Obviously, Ricky Pouge is unmatched. Uh I this is why I say like 2024 seems so promising and I just really hold this midfield in in high regard and I understand you know all the problems and and everything that goes along with with the 2023 season and you know you're getting a taste of what, what we're going to get into next week but but I I really can't wait to see these guys back back in action. Um, it they are the reason that I maintain that optimism on this on yeah. this pod for this team as a fan. Yeah, I mean the one it, it, just to pour a little bit of cold water before we kind of sally on forth to our, our respective holiday corners. The 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 two things that I worry about in this midfield because I've been ever the optimist as I normally am and I'm, I'm full of holiday cheer. Um, the the thing is, they have to get into Rikwi Pooch's head and tell him he can't lose his brain whenever he's getting fouled as much as he is. He's going to be a target no matter what. And you've seen him retaliate every now and then. And it's not escalated to the point where he's getting sent off in games. But I can understand. Obviously, MLS is a much more physical league than La Liga. La Liga is a very kind of so it's it's a bit of a 10 league, you know, where it's like the 10s are protected the 10s are you know by referees and 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 you know fouls and stuff like that he's got to get used to the fact that MLS is physical not on a on a you know on a on an actual physical level but on a mental level that you know hey you're going to get kicked uh two they cannot have the injury bug hit the way that it hit last year they just can't do that uh i, I just they need everyone to be at 100%. I mean, they need 30 games out of Brugman, Delgado, and Pooch. They just, they that's what they need. That being said, if they can get there, which they should be able to, I mean, obviously every season's different and, you know, injuries are, are capricious and, and all that other stuff. 
then I would nominate this midfield as one of the best in MLS. And I think, I don't think that's hyperbole when I say that. So I, I am incredibly optimistic about the midfield at the very least. Now the team around them, we'll talk about next week, but you know. Thank you again, everybody. And we'll see you here next week. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs>